Hey, Emily. Hey, Chris. How you doing? I'm all right. What you been up to? Not much. Syzygy, episode one. Well, guess what? We're back. We're back. Emily, episode 100 of Syzygy. How long has it been? Who are you again? <laughs> Where are we? What are we doing? How do we do this anymore? The good thing is we've got cake. Um, which is always important for any Syzygy and also for episode 100. Um, apologies for the break. It's been a, it's been a while. I'm uh, not apologising. Well, okay. I got a Look, son out of it, you know. Well, no, fair enough. I mean, you did have a certain amount of skin in the game, as it were, <laughs> on this one. For those of you who uh, haven't been paying attention, uh, yeah, we had a bit of a break. Um, I'm not entirely sure when episode 99 was, and that was just me, and 98 was even before that. But we are talking many months. And the main reason for that is because Emily's been a bit busy. What's been going on, Emily? Well, I had a little son. You did? I did. How's all that going? Yeah. Yeah. Turns out (laughs) children are a lot. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I could have told you that (laughs) if you'd asked. And even then, you wouldn't have believed it. But now you know. But not content just to have a, a, a small human child, but you then picked up that small human child and took them literally to the other side of the world. I mean, I think if you were to drill a hole through the earth from where we are right now here in York, UK, you would pop up somewhere near New Zealand and that's where you've been for the last how long? Well, yeah, I went there for three and a half months. Basically because it's quite hard to find free babysitting unless you've got grandparents. Yeah, you were a bit desperate at that point. Yes. Like we will we will go to the ends of the earth to get some free babysitting. And that, that all went well? It went fantastically well. Excellent. Did you manage to do any astronomy while you were there? Well, sort of. I mean, I got married on top of an observatory. Well, that counts. I think yeah. that totally counts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just so happens there was a lunar eclipse the night afterwards, which was, <laughs> you know, rather... Cliche, perhaps? Yeah, I I mean, shame it wasn't the night of, but you can't always coordinate these things to to the nth degree. So just to recap then, you've had a child, you've got married at an observatory in New Zealand and then managed to to fit in a lunar eclipse the following night. Yeah, so not much at all. Fairly quiet. Hmm. Yeah, good. Okay. So what does one do then after an enormous amount of time off when you get back together for episode 100? Well, look, If you were to go back and listen to our previous episodes building up through the 90s, probably as far back as the 80s in Syzygy, then uh, we were talking a lot about a particular, very exciting, and at that point, in the future, space mission. What are we talking about, Emily? What was really exciting that was coming up in the past history of Syzygy? It was just wonderful. Just wonderful space telescope, or in other parlance, the, the James Webb. Yeah. Have we settled on something here? Is it still the James Webb? Are we okay with that? We've decided we're okay with that because uh, James Webb wasn't actually directly involved with any of the legislative processes which destroyed some particular group's rights in the US. Right, okay. As far as NASA's official statement says anyway. Okay. So, yes, I mean, go and and Google it if you you are so inclined. Um, There was a bit of controversy around uh, naming a big space mission, a big expensive space mission after... James Webb, uh, NASA has come down on the side of, nope, that's fine, it's all good. But if you want to, then you can do what some people have done, which is, we'll just call it the Just Wonderful Space Telescope, and it's still the JWST. 
Either way, it's JWST to us. So going back several episodes, a number of episodes, JWST was in the future, but time being a weird thing, that's now in the past. It's so weird because JWST has been in the future since... For a very long time. Yeah. I don't know, since I was more more or less born, basically. Like, <laughs> I'm not even joking. It's I've been teaching my first year astronomy class for nine years now. And for eight of those nine years, I was saying, we're just about to launch JWST. <laughs> we're just about to do it. JWST is to, is to astronomy what, what nuclear fusion is to the physics community. But but we got there. It's there because it did it did take off. It did it launch. Did. It did. And it went and it's doing its thing. It's, it's yeah. working properly. Yeah. As did opposed you, to Hubble. As opposed to Hubble, which didn't Hubble take off and then they got up there and they went, oh, we did the mirror wrong. Didn't yeah. That, wasn't that It needed glasses. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that didn't happen. No. Um, did I watch the launch? I got it so long ago I can't remember. I think I did. Yes, I snuck away and did. It was Christmas did watch Day. Yeah, 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 that's right. It was because that's right. I was in Wales, uh, in a lovely valley in Wales, and we were going to have a big family Christmas, and then we all got COVID, Ooh. and we were all sick as dogs. And I said to everyone through my COVID haze, "Hey, guess what? This thing's going to take off, and it's really exciting and science and nerdy." And my whole family went, "It's great." Just can you do that over in a corner, please? Because we're dying here. Oh, okay, fine. So I watched it on my phone by myself. But it was very exciting. Did you watch it? I did watch it, yeah. In between some courses of Christmas lunch, uh, it was just my uh, and then fiancé and myself and my big bump at that point. <laughs> so we decided to have the Christmas, just the two and a bit of us. And, yeah, it was brilliant because we just did what we wanted, really, actually. Highly recommend, mm. you know. yeah. 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 Would uh, would solo Christmas again? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. But so. more importantly, JWST is up and it's doing its thing. It is. Yes. And it it's had a long period of okay. Let's just get it into position. And into position is a special place. It's it's L Lagrangian point two two L two, which uh, just remind us what's a Lagrangian point again. So it's a special point in an orbit. So in general terms, it's a gravitationally kind of just. Nice, sweet spot. But in, when we talk about the uh, Lagrangian points for the Earth, in effect, they are places where if you stick something, they will go around the sun at the same rate as the Earth goes around the sun. Right. Okay. So it's a, it's a very sensitive, careful and clever balance of the gravitational attraction of the Earth and the sun. And you get these special points. And that, that might sound like, oh, okay, I can imagine there being one place where that's in balance, where the sun's pulling one way, the earth's pulling the other way, and you just stick it there and you're done. But it turns out there's, what, like six of these or something? Yeah, five, yeah. There's like a bunch of different places where if you triangulate everything, then everything's pulling in just the right way that you put it there and it stays there and it mm. just goes around in the orbit at the same rate as the earth. No, it's brilliant. They're very, Which very handy. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So at Lagrangian point two, if you can imagine there's the sun and then there's the earth, and Lagrangian point two is on the opposite side of the earth to the sun. Now, normally that would mean that it's got a much longer orbit around the sun, but because it's of, further out. Yeah, yeah. But basically the earth's gravity just drags it along, so it keeps it in line with the earth, so we can keep talking to it, keep downloading all the beautiful images, but the earth is kind of 
uh, in between the telescope and the sun, so it's kind of shielding it a little bit from Right, so that's brightness. that's handy, but it also means that it's not in orbit around the Earth, which, which means, what, that we can presumably keep it focused on one point in the sky for longer? It's easier to do that? It's easier. It's nice and cold. It's a right. bit darker. Yeah. So, yeah, you get much better images if you're doing particularly these deep space infrared images, which is what James Webb is built to do. Yeah. So it's up there and it's doing its thing and it's gone through all of its tests, which is fantastic. So for the rest of today, we are going to do a big download of, so what's been going on? What did I miss? What did I miss? <laughs> so um, what's been happening up there with JWST? Have we, have we got some stuff? Has it been like finding anything new, interesting, fun? Emily, what's the news? Well, I think we were talking about kind of from the first half of half, it wasn't even half, for the first quarter, let's say, of last year, where there were lots of little milestones that James Webb was going through. It was it had to get to L2, first of all, so it got there at uh, the end of January. And then once it was there, you had to do some tests, blah, blah, blah. Then you had to unfold, remember, this enormous heat shield. Yeah. That was a really major operation and a lot of nail biting going on. Yeah, now. it's a crazy bit of kit. I mean, they had to have it all folded up quite literally origami style. Like, didn't they have special origami people involved with how are we going to get all of this crammed into a tiny space so that we can launch it? Because when it unfolds, this is huge. It's the size of a tennis court, yeah. the heat shield. So, yeah, so you needed to pack it all away so it fits into a nice little rocket. Really clever. And that all worked, it staggeringly. Worked beautifully, absolutely to plan. Then we had to unfold the mirror. So that was also kind of packed up so that it didn't, um, well, it couldn't be full size because it's about seven metres. Yeah, diameter, it's not like right? one big chunk of, of glass or whatever the hell they make the mirror out of. It's like lots of little bits, yeah. lots of hexagons. Hexagons, yeah, yeah. gold hexagons. So Flashy. that had to be all kind of unfurled. And then there were other little boom arms and little instruments that had to just, it was just so many moving parts. All the say. things that could have gone wrong were, and yet didn't. No, none of them did. High fives all round Fantastic. over at JWST Central. Yeah. And so then the telescope was in the commissioning phase, which was kind of around about the time when I went, yeah, no, see ya, I'm going to have a baby now. <laughs> Something else is happening here that I need to pay attention to. I'll see you in a while. Yeah. And so commissioning is... We're going to test everything out. We're going to take some data, mm -hmm. but this is not like, don't get too excited. This is not real data. This is, are we working data? Yeah, test. Yeah. Test it. Testing, testing. One, mm -hmm. two. One, one, two, three. three. And uh, is this like, is this what you call first light? Is that what that yes. is? Yeah. Well, a first light, typically for a telescope, you would even like way back years and years before you even get this telescope up and running, you would decide on something really special that you would choose to be the first light image for that telescope. Right. And usually it's got some kind of meaning behind um, why you built that telescope, what scientific goals might be. But you've also got to kind of play the, the public uh, interest side as well. So you've got to kind of choose something pretty. The public's well. put a lot of cash into this over a lot of years. So let's make it worthwhile with image number one. Yes. Okay. So that's first light. JWST decided that one wasn't enough. <laughs> it's been a long time. We're going to make this really worth your while. Here's a coffee table book. 
Yeah. Well, mm. they did, went with five. Okay. So five first light, quote unquote, images um, came out. And that was uh, in July, July 12th. Actually, I remember sitting down at that point with a just over two month old <laughs> and watching the live uh, broadcast. Did you, did you watch the live broadcast of those? I did images? tune into a little bit of it, but I can't, I can't remember what was going on, but there was a lot going on. There was a lot point. going on, and it was a surprisingly shambolic broadcast <laughs> from NASA TV. <laughs> Why? What happened? It was just, it was. Yeah. You can get a telescope into L2 and everything unfolds like a massive bloody origami crane, but you can't do a webcast of some pretty it images? Was Come on. It was we solved this bizarre. a long time ago. Yeah. They were they were jumping to live different they had different people for the different images, the different experts, you know, mm-hmm. explaining what they were. And then different kind of rooms of people who were involved in the mission in some way, shape or form. Um and they try and do these live sort of jumps down to the next person to tell us about something. But the, the connection wouldn't work, or then the wrong image would come up, and the poor host was just tearing the hair out. Just <laughs> We've all been doing this on Zoom for the last couple of years. We've worked this out, people. Come on, NASA. Yeah. Come on. Okay. No, it was. It was but quite... the, the shambolic presentation <laughs> aside, was it worth it? Did we get first light images that made you sit up and pay attention? Absolutely. Of all right. We shall we? Shall yeah. we have a look at some? We should. Yeah. All right. Look, if you're if you're listening to this and you're on a podcast device which allows you to see chapter art, then you'll be seeing these images as we discuss them. If you're not, then check out the links in the show notes, and you can go and sort of follow along as we go, and then get yourself a better podcast player. That's all I can say. So, image number one. Yeah. Now this is actually a prequel in a sense. Okay. Because I told you that July the twelfth was when yeah. all the images were released. For some reason, uh, the President of the United States of America... Oh, jeez. Yeah, okay. ...released image one on July 11th, (laughs) probably because they were going to show, I don't know, the White House the day before and decided nobody could keep a secret. Yeah. Although... Well done. Good good work. I don't know exactly what was going on And all the people at NASA just went... Oh, it's the president. We have to let this one through. Okay, good. No, it's good. that's fine. That's fine, sir. Good. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, first image came out the day before. <laughs> right. And it was this particular one, which I'm not going to lie, I think is one of my favorites. Okay. So I'm looking at, I'm looking at this here on Emily's computer screen, and it is, it's a square image. There's a big, bright, spangly star. There's a few bright, spangly stars, but one big, bright, spangly star sort of almost in the middle. But surrounding that, huge numbers of what I can only imagine are galaxies. So take us through it, Emily. What are we looking at? So, yeah, this is what they call Galaxy Cluster SMACS. Um, Good name. Yeah, S-M-A-C-S. I haven't looked up the acronym for that one. I'm going to go do that for homework. Uh, SMACS 0723. Now, this is the equivalent of the Hubble Ultra Deep Field. So this is James Webb kind of showing off what it can do in terms of deep field imaging. So the Hubble deep field or the ultra deep field or whichever, anyway, whatever it was, Hubble looking at one tiny sort of postage stamp sized bit of sky for a really long time and just going collecting light, collecting light, collecting light. And what looks to us like that's just a blank patch of sky. There's nothing there. Turns out it was full of galaxies, loads and loads and loads of galaxies. Turns out, Emily, I don't know if you know this, the universe is really big and it's full of stuff. Exactly. Right? Big spaces between yeah. them, but it's really big. So there's lots of stuff out there. Loads of galaxies and it kind of blew everyone's minds. Like, oh my God, every single dot in that picture is a galaxy full of billions of stars. Like that just does your head in. 
This is the JWST equivalent. Yeah, mostly equivalent. And okay. instead, so Hubble's, I guess, take on that particular image was that let's just look at a piece of sky where we don't think there's anything there. It's just inky blackness, according to our, you know, yep. sky charts, etc. And way well, there's like <laughs> turns out <laughs> billions of galaxies in this. Direction. And they knew that, but this is the first time that we were able able to sort of really hit that one home, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas this one, I think, is a little bit um, sneakier in the sense I think they chose a galaxy cluster because they right. know knew it was going to look fabulous. Again, we're we're selling this one, yeah. right? We want to really good picture so let's look somewhere where we know we're going to get a really good picture and i gotta say it does not disappoint i mean there are thousands yeah thousands of galaxies in this picture also a whole bunch of them which are kind of smeared out they're like smeared out in lines what's going on yeah exactly so the principle in in a sense is the same here you're looking at an incredibly tiny patch of sky. So I think the the analogy is if you hold up a grain of sand at your arm's length, that's the amount of sky this image takes up. A grain of sand. A grain of sand. At arm's length. At arm's length. So it's even smaller. Yes. Gee whiz. That's insane. Yeah, it's actually even even that's smaller insane. than the Hubble Ultra Deep Field, which wow. I think was a pinhead. So Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's crazy. Well played. Yes, but you're right. So there's all these sort of streaky things, but I guess this layers to this image. So maybe we should go through the different layers. Okay, yeah. Because my first reaction when you see this image is you actually see these really twinkly. Yeah, those are the bits that really stand out. You've got one, two, three, four, about half a dozen really twinkly, twinkly stars. Yeah. Those are stars? Yeah, they are. Um, they're actually very close stars. So they're stars in our own galaxy. Okay. They're actually not what the image is about at all. <laughs> so we can just ignore those bits. Yeah. Quite, quite literally. So those are stars between us in our galaxy, between us and the rest, which is much further out there. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. But what's interesting, I think, and what tells you that very much that this is a James Webb image is that the way that those stars are distorted by the telescope looking at them, they get this wonderful hexagonal pattern. Right. The, the, right. the twinkle tells you the telescope. Yeah, indeed. There it's you like go. A, like NASA, you can, uh, ESA, you can have that one for free. Put that on a T-shirt. The twinkle mm. tells you the telescope. Yeah, so you get this wonderful six sort of beams coming out of each of the star. What's, they're not beams of starlight at all. What All it is is that the James Webb Space Telescope has diffraction, so light's coming in, it's getting bent at kind of weird angles. Part of that's caused by the apparatus that actually holds up the secondary mirror. So it's got this big gold mirror that's made up of loads of hexagons that collects the light, then it bounces it out to a receiving mirror uh, and it's part of that structure right. like, that's inbuilt into James Webb. So is it? would it be here. fair to say that, I mean, that each of the little bits of the James Webb large mirror are hexagonal that presumably helps to define the symmetric structure of the rest of the telescope apparatus is probably a similar kind of symmetry, a hexagonal symmetry. And yes, that's what gives yeah. us the hexagonal yeah. twinkle. And so awesome. if you look at Hubble images, for example, to um, compare, uh, you'll see just a straight cross here. So uh, okay. just like four beams, if you like, instead of six. Right. So And is that because Hubble's just got a, it's a just, it's just cross and up and down bars? Yeah, 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 holding onto the second camera. <clears throat> yeah. There you go. Okay, so ignore the twinkle from now on. So let's remove that layer. Imagine yep. that you, those are kind of you just delving into the image and those are just part of the background. Yeah, turn Even off that layer beautiful. on Photoshop. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So that what we're really 
looking at is, like you say, those beautiful streaks, many of them very, very red, you'll notice. Uh, that's not coincidental. We're starting to look into the depths of this image. There are loads and loads and loads of galaxies here. And some of the oldest galaxies in this image have been identified to be, well, the light left those galaxies something like 13.1 billion years ago. Okay. No. Now, hang on. <laughs> Hold on. How old is the universe? 13.6-ish. So that's, that's, that's almost all of it. That's yes. almost all of the age of the universe. Yes. Wow. Okay. They're quite There's old. Some of the newest galaxies that were formed in earliest, the, some in of earliest the, yeah, yeah. in the universe. Wow. Okay. And then, so that taken the light, these tens of billions of years to, to get to us. And so you're seeing it, really those teeny tiny little dots that look in the background, that look like they could be just another little tiny sky, star in the night sky. That's a galaxy. <laughs> That little dot that's over there, that's just one pixel big. Yeah. That's a galaxy. Yeah. I mean, there are, in, in this image, right, there, there are big twinkly stars. There are things which are like, that's clearly a galaxy. There are things which are sort of galaxy shaped. Uh, but then there are these tiny little dots, and those are also galaxies. Yeah. So each of those tiny little Thousands dots have billions and billions of stars in them. Yep. All right. Good. Yeah. And then you get all the smudging, which is almost like the middle part of the image. It's right. the, the middle distance. And what's happening there is you've got galaxies which are in the sort of, let's say, mid to far part of the image. And then the light from those galaxies is traveling towards us. And once it's traveling towards us, it actually encounters the gravitational field of a galaxy cluster. And that light gets bent from the gravitational field of that cluster. Right. So this is gravitational lensing. So mm. those different smeared out lines, those are images of, I mean, are some of them the same galaxy? Are they all the same galaxy? Are they? Some of them are the same. I think there's at least one duplication, although I couldn't tell you quite from this angle which one it is. Someone's probably worked that out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you get a galaxy which might have used to have been just a little kind of cigar shape. Maybe it was a spiral galaxy that you saw edge on or something like that. But then when it gets distorted, it gets really stretched out and you get this very distinctive ring kind of pattern. They could get distorted so that they're curved. And if you put them all together, you might get kind of a circle altogether. So that's a very telltale sign of the gravitational lensing that's happening at the galactic level. So it's not an individual galaxy that's causing that lensing. It's the whole galaxy cluster. And in particular, all the mass that's in between the bright galaxies that we might see. So there's a load of dark matter that's causing that. God, there's so much in this image, isn't there? It's it's, just, it just carries on. There's so on much that on. you can see, and then the bits that you can't see, but that give you the bits that you can see. God, it's just so layered. It's amazing. Yeah. So it's it's a brilliant choice, I mm. think, for a first light image. Look, Absolutely I can see it. why if you were president, right? You'd go, you know what? I'm I don't care. I'm putting this out. This is <laughs> awesome. I want my name on this one. Putting it straight to Twitter. Damn right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was a, it was a wonderful choice. So I think you know tops to to JWST for for this one. It's it's excellent. Good work. Okay, so that's the first one off the bat. That's just the first one. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, that's 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 paid for itself. Yep. Good work. Excellent. But we have more. We have more. <laughs> but wait. <laughs> so the next one that was released was the Carina Nebula. Oh yes. Okay. 
Now, if you're more of a kind of a nebula kind of person, mm-hmm. you're used to looking at Hubble images of, say, something like the Pillars of Creation or the Orion Nebula, the Rosette, these these really classic, beautiful, put up on your, your wall images. I've probably got several of them already up somewhere on my on my office wall. So these are these are nebulae that look like they're like clouds or Almost like, you know, looking at waves breaking on the beach from above or something like that. But there's, you know, huge amounts of structure in these sort of very smoky nebulae. So what are we looking at? Yeah, so they're absolutely stunningly visually beautiful. And so it's not a coincidence that we choose to take pictures Again, of these things. Again, this right? is deliberate. Yeah. You've got the beautiful blue colours and then you've got these kind of, from the, the if we look from the top down, you've got the sort of dark black at the very very top that's kind of just like normal deep space that's space yeah yeah we all know that that space is black then you've got this kind of blue ethereal wispy sort of color and then you come to the much more kind of partially solid but a little bit transparent as well and that's the really orange kind of cloud if you like of the of the nebula it almost looks biological like it almost looks like you're looking through a a microscope not a telescope it's wild Mm, stuff it's a bit gross yeah i know but you know (laughs) no so what we're looking at here is that um it's a star forming region right so we talk about stars coming from stellar nurseries uh, unlike babies that don't come from nurseries but they go to nurseries nurseries. Mm. especially when mum goes back to work (laughs) so uh you have these star forming regions and what's happening is you've got clouds of gas and dust that collapse down and form new stars. But there are, it's much more than that. It's much more than here's a bubble, it shrinks, and then you get a star. Because these star-forming regions contain so much material, you're looking at creating at least 100 stars. And in the case of these really huge nebula, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of stars okay. that can be born from these giant molecular clouds. So there's loads of stuff going on. Where where did it come from, though? Well, I guess you mean the material? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's come from other stars. Old stars. Old stars. Right. Old stars died, put out all this material, and so that then sits around, it coagulates, it sort of churns, it churns, it churns, and eventually it gets enough um, material together to gravitationally collapse under its own sort of weight. Per se. It's the stellar circle of life. Yeah. Isn't that lovely? And why you get these beautiful ridges, which is what they've taken the picture of, really, to show is that once you've taken that star and you've, you've collapsed it down and that star's been born, it, you, in this case, you've got these really big, bright blue stars that are putting out tons of ultraviolet radiation. And that radiation actually ionizes the surrounding area and pushes away some of the material as well. So you've got a bit of pressure coming from those photons. So you get this wonderful ridge, which is basically the, the star is, is like taking off its own curtain. It's, it's lifting the curtain of itself, you know, and exposing. So the radiation from the star is is, is creating those ridge lines. It's, yes. it's sort of clearing stuff out of the way, pushing Well, many stars. It's many, many stars, stars pushing wow, all these wild. little sort of oh, their own bubbles, if you like. So that's why you get this, the beautiful sweeping lines of the blue, which is the ionized gas. And then you get the kind of the denser, cooler molecular material that hasn't been ionized. And is the is the color real? Like, is that is that what it would actually look like, or are we are we sort of playing a few tricks here and looking in different different frequencies and and saying let's color that blue? Like, how how accurate is that? It's a good question. Um, what is real when it comes to color? <laughs> 
No, I didn't mean it to be existential, but here we are. Well, it can be because actually, are you talking about what we would see with our eyes as humans who have eyes that are sensitive to particular areas of the electromagnetic spectrum, i.e. particular colours? I guess I am. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at an image and the question that's sitting in my head is, does it look like that? The short answer is no. Right. The longer answer is a little bit. Mm -hmm. So we are, as humans, our eyes are adapted to be looking at photons that come from the sun, which are largely in the green part of the electromagnetic spectrum. So we're most sensitive to green colours, uh, green light. We're not particularly good at seeing the infrared, for example, or the ultraviolet, hence the infra and ultra. Right? Sure. They're outside okay. of our, our visible range. But if you're going to build a camera... You don't have to build a camera that's, you know, as rubbish as our eyes. No. You can build a camera that can see everything. We can do better than that. Everything. Yeah. Right? And James Webb is indeed an infrared-based telescope. So it's really powerful at taking images just beyond our own visual range. Um, so what you would tend to do is you'd tend to take a load of images. Because if you want to get capture the ultraviolet part of the spectrum, then you might take a very different length of exposure than if you wanted to capture the infrared information that's in the same region in the same picture so you take do filters so you do a different filters you might do a blue filter a green filter a red filter etc and all of those filters will have different exposure times but then if you stick them all together then you get the image that we've seen here right and so each of those filtered initial images you might then say okay well that bit will sort of put into the blues that bit will put into the reds you could play around with those colours all you like. It could yeah. be grayscale if you want to. But the point is that you're able to see the structure and the 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 content there is, you know, what's the what's the structure that we're looking at? And then the colour is just something that we get for free. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, an analogy would be if you've ever done some photography uh, yourself and you particularly if you've tried to take um, images of the aurora, this is a really good example where the camera does much, much better than your own eye. Right, right. Partially because you can integrate over a longer amount of time, but partially because the colour sensitivity of, say, a digital SLR camera is much, much better than the human eye. Right. So you might see a bit of colour in the sky, but if you take a picture, let the exposure go for a while. And because the, the sensor in the camera is built better than your eye anyway, that picture, if you do it all right, is going to come back with, wow. That looks amazing. I don't quite remember it looking like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so what you might have seen is kind of wispy grey structures. They mm. might then come out as reds and greens and all this wonderful stuff. So mm. that's kind of the analogy. So, I mean, it's real. Mm. It's just, mm. it's real uh, for if we had better vision. Yeah, okay. I, I like that. Does it look like that? It does now. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Excellent. So that's it's a really beautiful image um, nonetheless. All right. Image number three. Now, this is actually, I was kind of surprised to see this as image number three. I instantly recognized it because it's one of my favorite images from Hubble to talk about when um, I was teaching a uh, astronomy course in, on galaxies. Right. Okay. So let me just paint a picture for anyone who's not looking at it. We've got uh, lots of black background space, again, filled with lots of things that I assume are galaxies. We've got a couple of twinkly stars. We'll ignore those. We know what those are. But the dominant part of this picture is a series of what look to be galaxies, but they're kind of smeared out. There's a lot going on in this picture. It looks to me like a galactic car crash. 
It's a good description. Yeah, it actually is. Yeah, it's a bit of a galactic pileup. This is um, a set of galaxies, uh, quite famous, known as Stefan's Quintet. Right. Huge favorite um, of amateur astrophotographers uh, to take pictures of because they're quite big in terms of their actual size in the night sky. So it's a relatively easy okay. um, target. Um, but what, of course, James Webb can add to that <laughs> is that let's just not just, you know, take a little snapshot of this. This is an image which is as much about the camera capabilities of James Webb as it is about the pretty picture itself. Right. This is James Webb showing off now. Absolutely. Check this out. See what I can do. Okay. So this is the largest mosaic um, that's ever been made at the time for an astronomical image. It's about one-fifth the diameter of the moon. Okay. So that's... I mean, on the one hand, that's fairly small, but when you say you're it's a mosaic, mm. you mean that's stitching together yep. lots of images. More than a thousand wow. in this one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you imagine if you want to get a sense of how big that is on the sky, your the moon is basically the same size as your thumb at arm's length, mm -hmm. right? So it's about you know a fifth of that, which compare that to a grain of sand. Arm's yes. Length, yes. These things are all relative. That's, yeah. So that's a lot. Yes. Yeah. And then if you add up, this is something like just 150 million pixels in this picture. Okay. So we're working hard here. We put a lot of this stuff together. So what is it? What are we seeing? So there are five galaxies in this image. There's actually more, but there's five sort of big boom. Yeah, I mean, I can ones. see one, two, three, four, five bright central galaxy bits with lots of stuff smeared and smudged around the edge. Yeah. So the one that's the leftmost galaxy that's mm. kind of looks it looks slightly different to the others. It's a little it's got more sort of structure and it. it's a kind of a bit bluier in yeah. some ways. Forget that one. Okay. That one's just in the way. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's one. like one of the twinkly stars. It's, it's, it's there. We would rather it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, it's nice. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. Good. Get out of the way. The four in the background are actually all in this cosmic collision. Okay. So we've got four galaxies, what we call interacting galaxies combining, colliding, they've got streaks coming out of them as the stars get ripped out of their host galaxies. Yeah, I mean, they definitely look like something's happened there. That first one that we're now ignoring just looks like a galaxy, yeah. but all the others are, some, something's been messing with these. Mm -hmm. Even the one down the bottom, which doesn't have the same kind of sort of red smudgy stuff coming off it, but it almost looks as if it's been stripped Mm. of a bunch of stuff. Well, it's a lot brighter than you might yeah. expect such a galaxy to okay. be, and that's because the gravity has kind of pushed gas together. It's driven a huge amount of star formation that wouldn't ordinarily have happened. So so it's on overdrive. Exactly. Right. It's it's just going, whoa, with new stars. <laughs> and it's they're all in this cosmic dance, which, of course, happens in incredibly slow motion from our perspective. But in terms of kind of even the universe's timescales, it's actually kind of, Marching on. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Hmm. Wow. So it's a beautiful image. And I, I was quite pleased to see this one because it's just fun, you know. <laughs> well, I do love the idea that they chose this one because do you know what we could do to show off? Let's have a look at this one and we'll stitch it together and make this enormous detailed image and everyone will just go, wow. And mm. like mission accomplished. Well done. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a wonderful image. All right. Next one. So that's number three. Mm -hmm. On to number four. Right, number four is the Southern Ring Nebula. Now, it's it's hard, I think, not to interpret this one as perhaps a little bit of a na-na-na-na-na. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we've gone from showing off to actively taunting people now. Well, a taunting Hubble, let's right. say. Right, okay. So the Southern Ring Nebula is obviously a Hubble object. It's this, this beautiful picture that Hubble's taken that you've probably seen in some form or way, shape in, in your travels. And so now James Webb has taken the same picture and said, hey, look, this is... <laughs> This, this is, is this is JWST's hold my beer picture. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> so you're gonna describe it for us. Okay, so um well we've got two images here. Um which one's Hubble and which one's J or are they both JWST? Um, uh, so this this one has got both of them, but they, then you can then click through and see what the right, actual original okay. Hubble image. All is. right. Well, look what, what we're looking at here. It's uh, it's a ring. It's a nebula ring. It's sort of lots of smeared out red around the outside, and then big bright blue bit in the middle. Or on the other side, you've got lots of blue stuff smeared out and red blob in the middle. Emily, what am I looking at? I'm getting confused. Yeah. Now, now this is called a planetary nebula. Mm -hmm. We've probably said it before. Planetary nebula are not particularly well named. Appallingly named. Nothing but, to do with planets. But originally named that because they thought they were to do with planets? Well, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe someone was just a little bit drunk <laughs> that day. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, so planetary nebula are kind of the end little death throes of fairly ordinary mass stars, stars like the sun. They go through this last phase of their life where they're shedding off all the outer atmosphere and that ends up sort of dispelling, in some ways you could say quietly through space. Right, yeah. As quietly as the death of a star can be. Yeah, yeah. well, compared to a supernova, which sure. is a very different event. Right. So this is kind of the, the puff off of the outer layers of a of a smaller star and it does kind of look like that i mean you can see you know there's a bit of structure there but it does sort of look like i mean it looks a bit like a star that's just gone oh i give up mm. <laughs> and just sort of spread itself out through space yeah so this is looking at stellar evolution looking at those last death throws you can see the star in the middle it's it's the bubble of blue is again that star is just illuminating the area closest to it with its ionized ionizing um illumination and then there's uh, the, the right hand side image in this one is just a little bit of a throwback looking at the dust side of things so it's really um pulling on the infrared capabilities of james webb Yes, cool. It's pretty. Though, Very nice. It? And so Hubble had taken a good hard look at this one and got some really nice, beautiful images of it, which were very famous for a very long time. Wow, look at what we can do. Yeah. But you compare that. So Emily's just brought up the, the Hubble one now. And it's nice. But go back to the JWST one. The resolution improvement is, is just, just off the charts. Yeah. You know, it's it's like the web twenty years ago versus the web now. It's it's just yeah. crazy. It is beautiful, but yeah. So that's why I think. Well, I'm I'm not privy to these kind of discussions that about why we should choose which images to release. But I suspect that's part of why this one was. Yeah, chosen. there's a bit of trolling going on at this point. Okay. Well, they're only trolling themselves though. Well, that's true. But I mean, there must be other members of the the various teams. Like, yeah, come on. You think that was good? Check this one out. Well, I think there's got to be a bit of a justification of you know. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've <laughs> we spent a lot of money, money and time on this. <laughs> It'd better be good. Yeah. All right. Yep. Next and one. Image number one. five. Yeah. Now. Hmm. Mm. Okay. So this one's a little bit different. This is not a pretty picture of stars and galaxies and nebulae and gas and stuff. This is. This is a graph. 
with error bars and axes and numbers. So this had better be good because we're already switching off. So what's going on? I'm going to have the unpopular opinion of I think this was a bad decision. Ah, okay. I actually was really disappointed when I, this was one of the five right, images. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a data scientist. I love a good graph. Mm -hmm. But when you're telling me about the wonderful things that your telescope can do. This eh, is not doing it for you? No, not really. All right. So what are we, what are we looking at? Well, I mean, the, the, the background of what it is, is, is great. And the ability and what, what this graph tells us about what James Webb can do is brilliant. But I kind of think there might have been a little bit of politics here. <laughs> All right. Well, look, tell us what we're looking at first, right. and then let's we'll let's explore the politics. Yeah. Okay. So this is a graph which has got on the y-axis the amount of light blocked. Right. Um, I think is what they're going with on this axis. Yeah. Parts per million. Okay. So already that's. Yep. Yeah. We're blocking okay. lights. Like something's getting in the way of something else. Yeah. Good. And the wavelength of light on the x-axis. Okay. So kind of how much light we receive for a particular wavelength or what we would normally call a spectrum. Right. Okay. Good. So yeah. how much light is getting through a different wavelength? So you could look at, for example, the light that's coming from the sun and say, how much light gets to us down here on the surface of the earth through the atmosphere at different wavelengths? Yeah. Similar kind of thing. The very um, everyday equivalent would be if you took a prism and held it up to the sun and it, you know, have you a lovely rainbow. Mm -hmm. If you just turned that rainbow into a graph, this is exactly the same graph. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so this, this graph, we've got a line which seems to be sort of oscillating up and down and up and down and up and down, which is telling me different wavelengths are getting past whatever we're looking at in different ways. Good. Fa fascinating. What are, <laughs> what are we looking at? Yeah, so the little bumps that you see, which are actually labelled handily on the graph, are um, bumps that correspond to the fact that when you have, in this case, water in the atmosphere, then you get more light uh, blocked so it's actually an inverted how we'd normally talk about this. If we'd normally say brightest things have higher numbers. Right. right? Yeah. In this case, we're talking about dimmer things have higher numbers. Okay. So but if I'm but if I'm interpreting this, this is a graph that's telling us that water blocks certain wavelengths of light. Yes. We already knew that. Mm -hmm. So that's not what this is about. No. So 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 what is this? What are we seeing? Now this is a um, coming the the spectrum comes from an exoplanet WASP ninety six B. So we're saying here, look here's the signature of water on this exoplanet. Right. So this. This is the JWST scientist saying we can use this spanking new telescope that we've put up to spot water, the signature of water in the atmospheres of exoplanets. Yeah. Wouldn't okay. it have been better to say that in words though? Yeah. Yeah. But I, uh, is, is this where the politics comes well, I don't in? Know. I can imagine them putting together this set of, set of images and someone at some point saying we can't just show pretty pictures like at some point we've got to admit that astronomy is not about looking at pretty things like we look at we look at data we look at at numbers we we look at statistics we plot curves we look for relationships so maybe we should show that 
Maybe. I think it's even deeper than that. I think it's saying, well, we've got different communities who are interested in science and James Webb. And James Webb has a handful of really important science goals. And we've looked at them already with early universe stuff, mm -hmm. right? So the earliest galaxies, right. for Tick. example. Covered yep. that one. Good. Yeah. Galaxy morphology and evolution. So we've got colliding galaxies. That's okay. brilliant. Yeah, yep. we've got that. And we that. can see that one really well. Yep. yep. Stellar evolution. So we've seen stellar nurseries. That's mm. where stars are born. Yep. We've even got a picture of a star dying. So yeah. that's all tick, sorted. Tick. Yep. Yep. And then, hey, there's this exoplanet. Exoplanets. Okay, can we get a really good picture of an exoplanet? No. What do you mean, no? Well, it's, it's not that easy. Mm. You can't just take a picture. What do you mean you can't take a picture of an exoplanet? You can't take a picture of an exoplanet. So, You're really small. Yeah. Is that's, that the problem? That's my yeah, that's okay. my take on it. All right. So how are we going to do exoplanets? To keep... I know. Let's do a graph showing water being absorbed or frequencies being absorbed by the water in a planet's atmosphere. Yeah. Which, like, that's cool. Yeah. It's just something that we've done quite a lot of even before James <laughs> Webb. <laughs> but have we been able to do it this well? Probably not. I'll right. concede that this, okay. is, this is probably, you know. I mean, all the other things have been about showing off. They've been yeah. about a bit of flexing, a bit of check out what we can do. Presumably, like this one's got to be the same, right? It's got to be no one's been able to do this like us. Yeah. It's not just we can do it, yawn. We know you can do it. We can all do it. This has surely got to be look how well we can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, you, you can see, look, the, the blue line, which is, you know, the trend follows the, the data points kind of mostly follow that. I mean, if you came from another field where you're used to dealing with very precise things, you might sort of say those data points are rubbish. <laughs> well, some of them are. But I mean, there's a couple of peaks there in the middle yeah, where do. that's pretty good. They're pretty believable. For a planet yeah. a long, long way away. But the bottom line here is that I suspect that as a professional science communicator, mm -hmm. you would have been showing this graph and say, I think you can do better. <laughs> well, I, I maybe I wouldn't be quite so harsh, but I would want them to tell a really good story. Like I think there's a there's a cliche, which is as soon as you put in an equation, you've lost some percentage of your readership, 50% of your readership. As soon as you put in a graph, similar, similar sort of thing. So in terms of telling a story, you've got to have a really good story if you're going to put up this data because you've got a lot of unpacking to do. You know, like it mm. took us 10 minutes yeah. to get to what are we looking at here? What actually are we seeing? So maybe there was a better way to do that. But I can kind of understand the desire to show that it's not just about pretty pictures because mm. that's that's got to be a bit eventually a bit galling to astronomers, I would think, that... Maybe people think you just spend your days looking at beautiful pictures. Perhaps, perhaps. But in some ways, you kind of want at least a bit of that to be out there because nobody gets inspired by looking at my computer screen full of code. No, that's true. Well, I mean, some people would. But <laughs> they're a very small minority. I can think of a couple of people in my family. But, um, but they're a very small minority. That's true. Yeah. Unless you've got an amazing story to tell and that's just a background picture. So yeah, fair. Yeah. Fair. So I think I think that definitely these pretty pictures have a huge place. And to be fair, there are many fields in astronomy that do use those pretty pictures kind of as you see them as pretty pictures. And from that, you know, delve into the structures, delve into the numbers behind that exact image that you're seeing. So it's not completely falsifying what we're doing. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, so there we are. When I saw this one, I was just a bit... A little bit underwhelmed? Mad. I mean, at least they didn't lead with it. No. <laughs> at least actually, this wasn't the 
first one out of the It day. actually wasn't the final one either. It was it was buried somewhere in the middle <laughs> of the, the releases. So yeah, okay. Now I must keep the data uh, needs happy. As a as a kind of um I don't know, apology to all the exoplanet scientists working very hard on James Webb. There have been at least two amazing discoveries since the release of these. Yeah, I want to be absolutely clear, we are not bagging anyone who is really interested in this stuff. Like if this really does it for you, that's great. I think it's awesome too. Just as a choice for that first five set of pictures. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe. Yeah. So I think now there's a, if we're going, where we're going from here, we've done our first sort of five. I thought, well, that's a little bit passe, right? When, you know, July was some time ago. It's worth pointing out we're coming up to the hour. Yeah. So, well, let's let's have a think about how long we want to go for, how much we want to put in now, and then what we sort of forecast for the for the end. Yeah, I was just going to do the recap on the new discoveries, yep. compartmentalize those, and do the tantalizing. Great. And that's, that's the parcel that we're going to do that time, yep. and that's the parcel. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So. July was seven months ago. <laughs> yes, staggeringly. Yeah, it's now 2023, apparently. I measure everything now <sighs> by the by my child's age. I, yeah. I, that's a parent thing, isn't it? It very much is. Yeah. Until you can't remember their age or your own age anymore, and then you're just a bit buggered. But, mm-hmm. you know, enjoy it while you can. So that was a, that was a long time ago. That was yeah. when my child was very small. Yeah. My child is somewhat bigger now. Mm, they and, do that. Yeah, and there's been a lot of astronomy that's happened since mm. those images. Um, and, you know, we're just over a year. In fact, it's like a, a few days' time. It'll be 13 months since James Webb launched. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. you know, it's pretty incredible, really. A whole year. Yeah, well, a year since it, it, it got into position, mm. basically. Yeah. Mm. yeah, exactly. And the useful thing about a year is that, first of all, people start to say, look back and do kind of a, a, a hindsight review of the first year of James Webb. Um, but also because it fell at the end of the calendar year, we have this nice also reflections of 2022. Mm. Say. Like your like your Spotify replay. This yeah. is the this is the equivalent. And the nice thing also is that um, the American Astronomical Society hold their one of their big meetings in January of each year. So in that meeting, there's been a, a very nice sort of selection process of these are some of the real highlights that James Webb has given us in the last few months. So all the work of summarising what's been great and come out in the last, you know, year of James Webb has been done for me, which is nice. You know. And that must have been a really cathartic thing for mm. the for the people involved. Like if you think about how like how many decades has this thing been in in the works? Many. Like it's it's at least, at least thirty two, yeah. At least three. Like thirty years since yeah. it was originally planned. Well probably it? since Hubble was basically. Yeah. You know. Like we're talking a really long time mm. ago. So there's some people there who have been waiting for this their whole careers. Mm. So to get to the end of that first year of here's what's been going on, that's that must just be amazing to sit yeah. there in the audience and go, it's working. Look at what we're doing. It's yeah. This is so good. Yeah, how proud would you be? Yeah. Okay, so what have we got? So, well, there were the eight little pieces of science that were pulled out in this AAS meeting um, that were kind of just described as highlights. So I've just pulled out them. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm not going to go into any of them in any detail, but I just wanted us to give you the overview. And I think that shows you kind of the breadth of awesomeness okay. that's coming from this telescope. So there's been discoveries on new kind of comparing the galaxy morphology. So looking at, interacting galaxies like Stefan's Quintet, looking at the Hubble pictures of them, and then 30-odd years later, coming back and looking at them in James Webb and seeing, actually, stuff's moved, stuff's changed. changed. That's enough time for things on that scale to be shifting measurably. Yeah. You can do science with that. How cool is that? That's awesome. That's awesome. We've got green peas. 
Green, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Green peas are a type of galaxy. I'm not going to go into the de details okay. of them. That's, that's a new one to me. They're very healthy. Mm. Yeah. Um, they are a known type of galaxy, which we know to be in the universe around us today. They found them in the very early universe as well, which is very tantalizing. Oh, bit surprising. Uh, didn't yeah, expect I think so. green peas in the early no, universe? No, we didn't really think they should be there, but they mm. are. So that's okay. quite cool. Um, we've got um, shockwaves coming from the um, interactions in the quintet, the Stefan's quintet that we talked about. There's some studies of the shockwaves in the intergalactic medium that's really interesting, showing just the energy transfer around all these uh, interacting galaxies. Because right. you've got an enormous quantity of mass being pushed and pulled there. Mm. Stuff's pretty violent, I would Absolutely. guess. And yeah. so that's going to send shockwaves through, yeah. the, through the medium. And you can look at that. Cool. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, we've got some new high redshift galaxies. This is one that definitely hit the news with a piss and a roar. So in the last few weeks even, um, we've seen the, the quote-unquote earliest, newest, furthest I get a feeling galaxy. that there's going to be a few of these as time goes on that, that you know, every time JWST gets put onto, all right, let's look even further back and leave it on for a while longer, we're going to see another earliest, newest, first hmm. thing star, galaxy, whatever it might be. Yeah, exactly. So cast your mind back to the baby galaxies episode we did, then it's kind of just building on that one. More of that. So we had some of them. Um, we got some supermassive black holes in the centre of galaxies showing huge outflows, uh, and that's being actually imaged and, and measured in terms of the actual jets coming out into the interstellar medium. A, a very, case, very cool. case example of the more detail you can see, the more you can learn about something that we already knew was there, but now we can study it in Absolutely. ways that we haven't been able to before. Yeah, very, very cool. Uh, debris disks around stars which have planets forming in them. Right. Little baby planets come in. So very that's nice. very, very cool. And even, I think it was only a couple of weeks ago as well, we had the first confirmation of an exoplanet from James Webb. You might remember that one hitting the news again. And it's not only just the first, you know, James Webb exoplanet confirmed. It's one that's pretty much identical to the Earth. Right. That's, that's a good inside. one to spot first first one along. Yeah. But, I mean, we've seen thousands of exoplanets. And so on the surface, and we've seen lots of exoplanets which are kind of Earth-like, at least in the rough kind of position away from the star and maybe the same size and, and so on. But... I guess this is a this is a milestone for James Webb because exoplanets is a big part of its everyone its, loves its exoplanets, right? And that's a that's a big hot topic in astronomy. And so, okay, here you go. Here's the first one, and we did it well, and it's Earth-like. Oh yeah. What more do you want? Boom, mic drop. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So that's brilliant. You know. So again, let's let's recoup some of that uh, glory <laughs> from the from the first light image for the exoplanet community. <laughs> um. Uh, I think I've got that was have I up to eight? I don't know. I think that's I think eight. eight. Yeah. 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 So So that's a lot of different stuff. Yeah. That's that's from everything from we can see tiny little planets around stars and see the, the disks from which they form, right through to colliding galaxies and shockwaves coming off those, right through to here's the oldest thing we've ever seen. Yeah. The earliest thing we've got in the universe. And by the way, we'll probably find another one next week. Yeah. You know. So it's all working well. I think it's brilliant. fair to say. Brilliant. And so I've sort of had to park 
kind of a lot of these ideas, as you're saying, like I didn't tell you what green peas really are. No. I'm being deliberate. We need vague. to come back to that we one. Do. Stick a pin in that pea. Exactly. So we're going to have to do some more episodes, I'm afraid, Chris. I think we are. Listen, yeah. listeners, if you're into JWST like we are, guess what? There's more coming. And if JWST doesn't float your boat, I'm sorry, we're going to be talking about it for a while longer in future episodes. We might intersperse it with other stuff too. Yeah. There's other things well, going on in the world of astronomy. Yeah. I'm sure, somewhere. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but we've certainly got what I reckon are at least three upcoming. So, well, I mean, let's do a pre pre. Okay. So I reckon What's coming up? At least one of As we enter the, the hundreds of Syzygy, as we enter our next century of Syzygy episodes. You make me feel old now. <laughs> So we've got one at least about these early galaxies, the peas, the green peas, the new high redshift or early galaxies. That's, you know, something we really need to go into okay. and, and look deep into the universe. Right, that's that's going straight to the whiteboard. Yep. yep. That one, exoplanets, OBS. OBS. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And there's actually been another one that's really um, quite exciting about the first detection of carbon dioxide on an exoplanet. Ooh. So that's quite cool. Um, so we've got to talk about all that. Yeah, cool okay. You know, build up our street cred again with uh, exoplanets. Sounds good. And the other one I thought, which actually I haven't mentioned at all, there was an image that came out, oh, golly, it was about two days later after the first five yeah. images. Do you, you might remember this. I don't this. remember this, no. And when it came out, I thought, you idiots. <laughs> Missed an opportunity. You should have. Get, get rid of that exoplanet nonsense. Was it graph. like, did someone drop it and it went under the photocopier or something? What, how, what, what It was the picture of Jupiter. Oh, yes. I didn't realise that was so soon after the others. But yeah. Yeah. What a stunner. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So, and just fascinating. You can see Aurora on the, the north and south poles of Jupiter. It was just glorious. It was almost like a, oh, by the way, we can see really close things too. Yeah. Check this out. Yeah. Oh, really? I know. Really? I know. It was like, okay. All yeah, right. Yeah. So we got to we got to look at Jupiter and and is that is that a part is that a major part of its mission remit? Is it going to be looking at stuff nearby, Absolutely. or was that yeah. just a oh, let's just go and do this? No, Bit no, no. There's stuff like we don't know that much about our solar system, really. It's a bit embarrassing. So, you know, in the infrared, there's some really important stuff to do. Mm. Um, there was a great bit of research, which I'll put in the solar system episode, about um, Enceladus and water plumes coming from Enceladus. Because when you get a better infrared telescope, you yeah. know, there's so much you can do. A better do. telescope is a better telescope. doesn't matter what you're looking at. Mm, yeah, Hubble did heaps of solar systems. Yeah, that's true. Right? Some of its best pictures yeah. are of, yeah. the, of the big planets. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's loads of stuff to drill into there. So <laughs> I, I just love the fact that they dropped it a few days later. Oh, as, oh yeah, then there's this. What? Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, no, that should have been a headline. <laughs> Everyone loves Jupiter as well, right? <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe drop the graph and put that one in. Exactly. Sorry, graph lovers. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's, that's I reckon, at least three upcoming Syzygy episodes for awesome. those who can bear to wait. So, Chris. Yeah? What did I miss? <laughs> well, it, it turns out uh, there's been a bit going on this year. I mean, it's kind of nice. I'm sorry, listeners, but it's been kind of nice to have a little bit of a break, if only so that we can then get back together and go, check this out. Look at all this stuff that's been happening. And this is just this is just one mission. I mean, yeah, 
it's the big mission. It's not just JWST, it's JWST. But there are other things too. There's so much that we should get our teeth back into, I reckon. Not mm. just the cake, Absolutely. the astronomy too. Yeah. But it kind of strikes me that, and I've been, I really have to apologise here. We've gone all the way from the beginning of this episode, mm -hmm. all the way to the end. I didn't actually ask you what you've been doing in the last few oh, months. Oh, look, yeah, not much. Been pretty quiet.